What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with my brother from Clubhouse. We hang out together more than our own family members, probably. Matthew Storm is in the house. He's an entrepreneur, but also a former professional athlete, father of three, into entrepreneurship now, and you know, also a thought leader because when you're on the Clubhouse, if you're ever in the rooms that we hang out in, you'll hear, so we call him Storm, you'll hear Storm talking and, and sharing his thoughts. And it takes courage to do that, by the way, in some of the rooms we hang out in. So we'll talk more about that as we get into this. But before I do that, I want to thank everybody for joining the What Do You Made Up show today. I want to thank you for your support of the movement, support of everything that I'm doing, because as you know, my mission is that all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And I filter everything through that. And you know, it means the world to me that you support that. And then you start buying into that, that mission and sharing it in your life with those around you. So I just wanted to start off by you know talking about that first, and then you know Storm, uh, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. So it's uh, I, I don't know why we didn't have you on here sooner. I'll take full responsibility for that. But we start the show the same way every time, Matt, just so I don't get tripped up. And that question is, what are you made of? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know I think a lot of times uh, it depends on the uh, time of day that you ask or the season of life, right? Right now, we're in a season of life where I feel like I'm made of love, drive, ambition, leadership. There's a lot of different things that go on because we wear many hats. And I wear a hat of being a father of three. I have two daughters and a son. I'm a husband of 13 years and known my wife now for 20. And also a multiple business owner, which my wife and I have a business. I have a solo business, which is in the national fitness production space, and uh, also work in construction. So there's Multiple hats, and I think um, it requires different levels of characteristics when it comes to what's required at that time in that moment. So made of a lot of different things, and I think those five are probably the one thing that I can tell you are continuing to come up and recurring. So when we're in clubhouse rooms and, and you know we're in real life, I think a lot of those different hats off real quick, back on, let's focus and see how we can help, contribute, and also lead in a positive way. Yeah, I'm I'm with you because I, you know, I go on shows and people ask me the same question and because they just try to spin it around on me and I I answer it differently every time truthfully. So, uh, it's just whatever you're feeling at the time cuz uh, you know, you sometimes will go through life and and you'll realize different things later on. And then and then you have different emotions and feelings sometimes that that conjure up different things that you're made of, so to speak. But that's fantastic, man. Let's talk more about where you came from though. Let's go back. You can go back as far back as you want to diapers or whatever you want to do. Well, where did you come from and, and how did you know how did Matt become Matt as, as a young kid? Yeah, that's another great question. You know, originally I, I was born in Illinois and uh, it's a suburb of Chicago, if you know where Naperville is, and um, moved to the south side of Chicago. My parents divorced at four years old. So 
my dad chose to stay in Illinois and my mom and my sister and I moved to Houston, Texas. And, you know, I, I think a lot of what shaped where we are today in 2022 goes directly back to when we can start remembering what started to give us the feelings that we have and the beliefs that we have. So, you know, throughout that time, we didn't live in the best part of town. We didn't have the best of things, but it taught us to be able to be appreciative of the things that we had, not the things that we wanted. And uh, we lived a pretty simple life. And, you know, looking back at that now, it's great to live simply. I don't know what happened between four years old and 45 years old on why life needed to be so complicated and have all of these things, this stuff and this material. You know, I love the fact playing with friends, making new friends, moving to a new area, getting a chance to reacclimate in not only a different environment, but uh, ended up moving during my sixth to seventh grade year. Uh, and that was a shock because we moved from a um, not so well-off place to a place where we were at the bottom rung and it was very cliquish, very middle upper class. And it was really tough to fit in. You know, so going through high school, it was that, you know, kind of keep to yourself deal. I wanted to play sports, tried out for certain sports, didn't make those. Found a comfort level in volleyball, which boys volleyball down in Texas did not exist in the 90s. And so we had a very small pocket of people. And I knew that eventually when I went to college, I wanted to be an airline pilot. So my father was an airline pilot. My grandfather was an airline pilot. They both flew for American Airlines, one out of LAX, one out of Chicago O'Hare. And I thought that that was the way to go. And it'd be kind of cool to have that third generation pilot in the family. And, you know, after a year of flight school, I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, got my private there and realized that I didn't think that that was the way to go. Based on how my parents ended up, I associated his profession with their marriage and their failure. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to end up alone. I didn't want to end up going to a different city every three or four days trying to prepare a day for a flight going internationally, trying to recover from a day and being jet lagged and trying to reacclimate to the, the time zone that I was in. So I chose business. Interestingly enough, you know this, um, I started selling Cutco at 18 years old and that was my first sales job an entrepreneur job. <laughs> and I had no idea how that was going to turn out. Did that for a summer and it ended up becoming an internship during school. When I came back down to Houston, I ended up going four years to the University of Houston and uh, paying my way through school there, graduating. And while I was a full-time career guy, I ended up getting promoted to a career position with Cutco as a district manager while I still had 21 hours left in my, my semester. So wow. I was juggling 21 hours, a full-time gig, being on my own. And uh, thankfully, I got to graduate. They gave me the piece of paper. And the rest is history from there. Ever since then, I've been associated with them either in a leadership and upper management role or strictly in a sales role. And my wife and I have that business together where we work with real estate agents and we provide closing gifts for them. That has been a trip and a half. You know, you want to talk about that now. You still that learning, business now? getting a chance to learn at every level. It really allowed me to realize how important communication and people are, not only in business, but also in relationships, in families and in community. So you have that, you still have that business now. Still do 25 and a half years later. Yes. And, sir. and you have sales reps and all that, like you build a team or no? So over the time that I was a district manager, I got promoted in the year 2000. So that was an easy uh, number to remember. And I finished up as a district manager and went back into the field in 2019. So it was a nice run of 19 years in management, but I got to tell you, sales is a lot more fun. It's a lot more rewarding. 
And uh, also it helps us to, uh, to grow in an area where our residual business and our retention for our agents who order every six months to a year, we're still able to keep that book of business while continuing to grow. So it's more or less a passive income. Awesome. Awesome. I, yeah, I smiled when you said Cutco because I remember you saying that before, but I, for, <laughs> I forgot about it. And uh, I did Cutco because I saw they used to have these signs out on the road that said, earn $12 an hour. And I'm like, shoot, I'm making nine now. Let me go work for $12 an hour. And I had no, I, no sales experience back then. I think I was just able to drive or maybe, I don't know, I might have been 15 years old. I don't even remember. And <laughs> I was like, the hourly got me. And of course, that's the point of the sign in the first place. But I don't know if I sold any. I can't, I really don't remember how long I lasted or, you know, and it's funny thing is I did end up getting in sales in 98 and in, uh, in home water treatment systems for Rainsoft. I don't know if you heard of Rainsoft or not. And I did that for nine years. And so I, I did the same kind of thing. Like it was, I don't know, <laughs> some good and some bad, but cut my teeth in it, you know, shaped me to who I was today. So same thing. I see that in you. So now you mentioned something that from when you were younger to where you are now, like the, the material things, the complexity of material things and all that. Like I had this thing about, I don't know, maybe three years ago where I started like material things don't mean anything to me. I wear a t-shirt every day. I wear jeans or, or shorts or something like, and I, I know how to dress up when I got to go to some place, you know, like Thursday, I'm going to a black tie fair, but, but like, I don't care about clothes. I don't care about my, my I have a, a Mercedes Benz and it's 16 and bought it brand new and, and all that. But it's like, I don't even care anymore. I have a golf cart. I'd be fine. I don't care about that stuff. So is that something that kind of hits you here in, in your forties where you just like, I don't care about that stuff. I want to make impact. You know, I think it's a switch. So you're rocking. And, and I was thinking about that a little while ago because I'm more invested in mental health, like men's mental health, being a dad, being a good leader, being a good example, as opposed to what I can provide for my kids. See, a lot of times when, when we didn't have things as kids, we wanted all of that stuff that we saw that we thought was successful. So that chase started, right? You go from your first car to a higher level car. You go from that car into a luxury or sports car. And now it's really tough to go backwards because in your mind, you're thinking, well, people are seeing me and I need to purvey or portray that level of success. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. I told my wife three years ago, and this was, uh, I, she goes, look, if you want to buy your dream car, you've got the money to do it. Go buy your dream car. So I went and bought a nice sports car. I won't tell you what it is. I think you might've heard about it, but no, uh, why not? Why won't you tell me what it is? Okay. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. I don't buy new cars and very similar yeah. to you. You said you have a 2016 Mercedes. Well, I, I bought that. Buying... I bought, I did buy that new, by the way I did. Okay, I, cool. I don't usually do that, but I did. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I bought a new Honda when I was 19 years old and it was my first car. And I thought it was the best thing. Cause it had six miles on it. I, I wanted to buy a four, two liter V8 and I wanted to buy an Audi RS five. That was like the car that I wanted because I knew it was a zero to 60 in less than four second car. It was a quick car, had everything that I wanted, the carbon fiber, black on black. It was super sweet. And I drove that for about a year and a half and realized that the only thing it did for me is get me from point A to point B a little bit faster with the risk of a ticket and with a $250 a month insurance premium. And I paid cash for the car. I thought it was great. But what I realized is intrinsically or inherently, it didn't provide me fulfillment, provided right. me happiness and those kinds of things temporarily, but it wasn't a long-term solution for me. That car is eventually going to break down. Something's going to have to be repaired. New tires, new brakes. The harder I drive it, the faster it goes. And it wasn't a smart investment. What I realized I was telling my kids was it is all about the vanity and it's all about what people think of me and how I feel when I'm in the car. I have to have something deeper than that. And it doesn't matter what I wear on my wrist. It doesn't matter the house that I live in. It matters what, you know what, my kids need to understand that 
if I'm investing in these things to make me feel good, what are they going to do? What are they seeing? And it just doesn't matter anymore. You know, yeah. those things go away. They get stolen. They get lost. They get put on a shelf. You don't think about them 10 years from now. And even though it might be a great, you know, feeling, it's not a great decision. And I, I mm-hmm. want my kids and anybody else who's in my circle to understand that decision making is more important than feeling sometimes. And that's what helps yeah. me keep that level headed clarity. Yeah. I mean, I, and, you know, a lot of guys get our age and they go through a midlife crisis and they go buy cars and they start you know, they're married, but they start chasing younger women and all that. And I'm so glad I, I, <laughs> I have a good head on my shoulders that I haven't done that. But, you know, like the, you said, the, the watch thing, like I had a Breitling. I think I spent 10 grand on it back in, I don't know, 2011. And I wore it and it broke recently. It, the, the band actually broke and, I, and I'm getting it fixed, but I needed a watch because I, 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 I like for time and I just, I like wearing a watch. So I ended up going after spending 10 grand on a watch, I went back and I did go backwards. I bought a Citizen, and the, and this one I'm wearing right now is I think it was like 400 bucks. But like, I freaking love it, and and it's lighter, and and I'm like, man, like, I, I, why did I think that way before? <laughs> like, I, it's so stupid. So 100. percent And what we can do, like the way we're impacting young men and women, if they're listening to us, and we're affecting women because we're if we're we're impacting young men and and teaching them how to think the right way, and it's impacting women that way indirectly. But doing that is so much more valuable, more fulfilling, and and it's really allowing us to put a put a mark on this planet in a good way. But yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm thinking the same way. Talk to me about your 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 sport career. Like, what did you do as far as you know athletics go? Yeah, there, that's a great question too. I want to get to one thing because you mentioned yeah, sure. the watch, and then we'll sure. get into the uh, sports. What's funny is John Ledger and Grant Cardone were in a room and they were talking. And Grant asks John, he's the former CEO of T-Mobile. Grant with Cardone Capital, he's you know got three or four billion dollars in real estate under management right now. And he asked him, he goes, "Are you a watch guy?" He goes, "You know what? I do have a watch, but I don't have a collection." And so Grant asked him, he goes, "What watch do you have?" He goes, "I have a Fitbit." That's not really a watch, right? Right, right. And you know, a lot of these times we have forty to a hundred thousand dollar Rolexes, presidential, you know, Pateks, anything. You go down the list. It, you can have a Breitling. You can have all of these name brand things. When I got a Rolex, I've never bought a Rolex for myself. That was the thing that I won from the company, from Cutco, believe it or yeah, not, yeah. for a performance level. And that thing has appreciated, but I never would have thought to buy myself a Rolex. I only thought about what it would do if I had it, I don't even wear it. Now, this leads me to my sports, right? Yeah. What you tend to find out is the characteristics that you're made out of end up developing and coming out in discovery. So when you're 18 years old, what you think is important is not that important when you're 40. Same thing when you know, you're finally realizing you get around a good group of people, men like you, you're able to hear what you value and what your core is all about. You tend to adopt a lot of those principles because you want to be around successful people. You have to know how they operate. And so in 2014, I had a group of guys from my church. What we were doing is we said, hey, let's start working out every morning at 6 a.m. We're like, that's great. Let's do it. We need to be healthy. We need to be, you know, good. And we need to look and feel great, right? Because as we get older, a lot of times our bodies break down just like everything else we talked about. So he goes, one of the guys goes, Hey, why don't we do a bodybuilding competition? We're a bunch of skinny guys. I'm I'm talking like, you know, you look at us, you're like, you're not a bodybuilder, right? (laughs) So this new division came out and it's the men's physique division. I've always played sports all my life, volleyball, baseball, basketball, easy sports, endurance sports. You've got to have the cardio and the stamina to do it. So to put on muscle is really extremely challenging and difficult because we tend to not eat enough or we tend to not train in a way where it breaks down our muscle to build it stronger and be better. So three weeks in, the five guys who made the commitment to this show that was six months out, 
only one remained. <laughs> Everybody else, they gave up, they quit, they lost hope and faith, and they stopped going to the gym with me. And I was the only one who did it. And I wanted to follow through with it as a bucket list thing to say, I'd like to do that. Yeah. So I go do my first show, get last place. And that was just more fuel for the fire to say, okay, cool. I did it. Do I check it off and move on? Or do I actually take it personal and actually go after another show and see if I can do better? So 10 weeks later, I did another show, took first place, took a little bit of a break to take some time off to let the body heal, grow, get better, bigger, more aesthetic, more pleasing. And in 2017, I started competing again. So I took a three-year hiatus to really focus and hone in and get the right coaches and support system, went to another organization, earned my pro card in 2018, and then did two pro shows in 2018, one at the Hawaii Pro, one at the Oklahoma Pro. And then at the end of the year, I did the world championships and placed top five. And this was with 37 other countries involved. Wow. The reason why I tell you that story is there's a lot of things that you won't hear or won't see if you pull the curtain back to understand how many hours in the gym that I spent, how many times I went over meal plans to shock my body, how much that food was, how we prepped every single meal, how we took sugar out of the diet, how we rearranged our life to be able to do something and be completely honed in and focused and put the blinders on so my kids could see what hard, look, hard work looked like. It was a very vain thing, but I knew it wasn't sustainable after 2018. So 2019, I started producing events, started putting on shows, and I have to tell you, to 2022, the eight shows that I put on around the country right now, best thing that ever could have happened. And that all resulted from that decision in 2014. Gotcha. So you're, so you're kind of a producer now, right? Is so I, I have what we call the Storm Classic, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. I have what we call the Desert Storm Classic. And then I ran two shows at the MGM Grand last November. And that was our qualifying for pro status. And it was a two-day event. And we partnered up with Booker T, the WWE wrestler. Yeah. He has his school down here in Houston. And so he brought his pro wrestlers to the MGM Grand. We made it a tag team event. It was a huge success oh, and something awesome. that I'll never forget. And that was a bucket list thing too. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. That's sick, man. So, I mean, you're a business owner of it, but like, is that, are you kind of a producer? Like you're putting on the show, right? Like that's, we do yeah. everything. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. go start to finish, meaning you're basically recruiting athletes, you're finding your expediters, your support staff, your volunteers, your judging panel. I just went non-sanctioned this year, which means I'm not affiliated with any organization. So that opens it up to any athlete in the world who's ever competed or who wants to compete. And we're able to unify all of these different organization competitors to be able to compete for prize money for 20,000 bucks this year. And uh, I have to tell you, we have had huge response. I never would have thought it would have gotten this big and ended up growing up to this whole thing that now what we're looking to do is add on people to help the organization just with the show and the day. It's for one day. It's October 29th. It's in Galveston, Texas at a resort, and it's going to be really cool. We do everything from A to Z, start to finish, from advertising to production to at the very end when we finish off and sign off on the show. That's wild, man. That's wild. I love it. I'm so happy for you, man. I mean, to start off just like by working out and then all of a sudden it leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And uh, you know, that's cool because when you're trying to cause and create futures, it's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about what you're doing now. It's about once you accomplish something, what's next? What's next? And the future, the thing about the future is the future is not down the road. The future is like right now, right now, right now, right now. You know what I mean? 
but the thing to stack those wins on top of each other. So what's the vision now? Like what's I know you you're the type of guy that has something like that you're that you're really shooting for. What would have to happen here in the future that if you knew right now you accomplished it and it would light you up? Like what would that thing be? Yeah, I think that um we we have kids fitness at our show. So we have six year olds to 10 year olds competing in like a 60 second routine. It's actually (laughs) giving back to our next generation, finding a way to amplify them, put the spotlight on them in hopes that they can be better leaders than we are today. So if you really look at, you know, the, the different primal needs of ourselves, it's food, shelter, and clothing. Once we get to philanthropy and giving back and contribution, what we've realized is our needs are taken care of. Our basic and advanced needs are. Now, what happens is how do we prepare instead of enable the next group? And I think that a lot of what we're doing is being able to provide something as a platform for health, because as we know, America, I live in the fattest city in the United States, C-Rock. So let's just be clear. I see a lot of things health-wise that I think we need to do better as not only a society, but also as a microcosm of a family unit to be able to say, how are we eating? How are we thinking? Let's look at the mental health. With the past two years that we've gone through, we found that we don't think the same way. You know, if a human being is given the freedom and the option and the creativity to do the things that they want, unlimited potential. The second we start restricting that and bridling that is where we really lose faith in our abilities to be able to produce something from nothing. And so I want to be able to have our next generation be those Elon Musks, be those Jeff Bezos, the people who are thought leaders, the people who can think independently and also produce things that maybe we haven't thought of because we're always stuck in a way of thinking. If we don't look outside of the box, we tend to look at our four walls and say, this is what we're only capable of. I want our kids to be able, yours, mine, anybody else's. I want our kids to be able to make the world a better place. And I know that's a really generalistic statement, but it has to start somewhere at a small yeah. level in order for 100%. it to grow and start to really exponentially expand. Yeah. Were you in the room the other night when I was talking about hopes and dreams and those that have something to shoot for in the future, no. the ones that are constructive and creative. And then if you don't, then you lead towards destruction. And those that don't have courage to just end their own lives or destroy themselves will destroy other people first. And I, man, I don't know if you're in the room or not, but like I got lit up. And what happens is when you start talking, like you just spoke and I bring up those kind of things and you're around confused people, evil comes out, evil comes out of those folks because they're confused and they don't have their sight set on something. So they invalidate everything around them. And that happens. And I, I just wanted to test the waters with it because I know, I know the deal. Like I understand human emotion. I understand human thought. I understand how it all works and not everybody does. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I told my, I told my, I was like, watch this, watch this. And I said that, and then the chat lit up and everybody wants to invalidate you. It's amazing how that works, but it's like, it's clockwork and you can actually predict it. So if we can get everybody to understand this and get those, like, we got to work with the people that are willing to listen and learn this stuff, but putting out a, a, a vision and a target out in front of you and you wake up every morning and you're going after, it's the same thing that you, you did when you started working out. That thing is the most powerful. That's the most powerful rocket fuel that there is, period. And I used to think it was the toxicity that I got from discouraging people and haters and setbacks and all that. That's what I wrote that book about originally. Because before you get to the point where you can create a future for yourself and vision visualize it, you have to use that toxicity to get you there. But once you get there, you have all that stuff, and it's it's pretty much foolproof. So but you, you know, I didn't know if you were in that room or not. I have to touch on this because yeah. Yeah. I think what we're made out of. We all have our highs and our lows, and we're all down in the dumps at some point. And it's that time of crisis 
that you really figure out what the heck you're made out of. If you peel all the layers back for men, they need to feel like they're powerful, they're leaders, they're respected. You know, for women, they want to feel loved and appreciated. But if you start peeling that onion back, you're going to realize that when you're feeling lonely, when you've got the haters, when all that toxicity is coming down on you, how you respond to that, what I have found is great leaders know how to be resilient. They get knocked down seven times, they get up on the eighth. And you know what? A lot of the times we don't see why we're getting knocked down. We might be making that mistake. It might be an external force. Understand that it's being put in our way for that reason to make us stronger, better, and more influential. That's where people miss the boat. They feel like if they get a hint of criticism, they take it personally and they immediately shell up. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is they're not able to experience the full growth because they have to have that in order to, they have to have that resistance. You have to break down that muscle in order for it to grow stronger. And I think that I totally cut you off on that, but man, you got me going on that because we could talk about that. That's where you know that you're making it and progressing when you're getting those setbacks, those challenges and that toxicity. Yeah. So so let's relate that to, let's relate that to what we were talking about. Like a lot of times in these rooms lately is like these mass shootings and and people having problems and people having hate on other people and all that, it all comes down to this, this topic. <laughs> because if you have something that you're productive with and creative with that go towards, you don't have time for all the other bullshit. You just don't. Like It's impossible. I don't have time to think about hating someone. I don't have time to go destroy someone. I mean, by the way, I used to punch people. Like If I got in a, fu- like a fight or something, we got an argument, I, I would just hit someone. I'm not proud of this, but I would just hit someone because I didn't, I didn't have anything to... I didn't care. Like I was like, if you... If we're going to go, we're going to go now. Now I would run and I don't care what somebody thinks. I can fight if I need to, but I, I'm, I'd run. I wouldn't even, I, I'd talk my way out of it to the point where I could make sure I could get out of the place and run. It's because it's, I have nothing to prove, but it's all because I have my mindset on some big target and goal that I want to accomplish. And that's what it stems from. And we need, to, we need to talk more about this. The problem I also have is like, I said that in that room and then like you get all this, this evil that comes out and then nobody leans into it. And nobody steps up because they see what's happening. And like you said, they pull back, they introvert, and then the room stays negative and toxic. And so like, you'll see me now because I, I, I was recognizing this. I'm going to lean into this more and I'm going to call people out for not doing that and call people out for introverting and letting them know that they're not being good leaders. And then that's hopefully will cause a little, bit of a, a little bit of a controversy and they can start talking their shit. But at the end of the day, like, with people like you and I like the, that know the truth, we got to step up, man, because the world needs us. Thoughts? You said something. We were in a room last night. I think you were in the room where uh, we had a young lady and she's like, you can never understand (laughs) how you could be a man in different skin and realize what they're going through. And I said, you're absolutely right. However, does that make you and I an enemy because we see it differently? Right. Does it make us an enemy because you have no idea, you know, my situation, I have no idea your situation, but we're talking about another situation that doesn't apply to either of us because you're not a man. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if you really look, you and I can't even begin to think about what that person would go through. However, we can talk about it. We can be civil. We can have discourse and disagreement. But you know what? When we run away from it, it still doesn't get talked about. It sits there and simmers and eventually burns because if they're not talking about it, how are you supposed to move forward or move past it or through it? And I think that was a big breakthrough last night. I think you were in that room. With yeah, well, I was listening. Yeah. 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 No, I listened to it and, and, I, and I feel for the girl because she's her rea- that's her reality. Like she spoke so passionately and that's her reality. That's the way she sees things. And, and when people have their reality, 
everybody else that sees opposite of that, they have to invalidate to make themselves right. And it's the same thing with us. Like, who knows, dude? I think that we're right. And it's our reality, the way we see things. We might be off our rocker in, in some alternate world. I don't know, man. I really don't know. I just know that like, if I know that if I'm going towards survival and thriving and helping other people survive and thrive, I don't see how that could be wrong. And I'm talking about all people, of course. You know? One of the so, things that you said, though, I think is also really good. If you've ever been in a boardroom, picture a boardroom and picture multiple chairs on one side, multiple on another, and then two on the end, right? I think of Coming to America. I think of that movie, you know, and, and everybody who's seen it, you'll understand. When the king is at one side and then the prince is all the way at the other and they have to use an intercom yeah. and there's a lot of stuff that can go on interference from one side to the other. Yeah. And he finally said, what am I doing? He gets up, he starts walking, right? The, the rose bearers, they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I, I'm not prepared. They, they get in front of him real quick and throw roses down. And he sits next to him. He doesn't sit across from them. Yeah. He sits next to them and they have a conversation. The art of conversation is gone. It's dying. People are texting. People do not want to have a face-to-face. -face. People do not want to have a phone call in this generation. Yep. They want as least amount of communication as possible. And what that ends up doing, it ends up creating a lot of misunderstanding. And when I think about a boardroom like that, or I think about a dinner table like that, I don't want to be on the opposite side of a table because I can't see what they're seeing. I want to go around to see what their point of view is. And that's mm -hmm. the only way that we can get a level, level of understanding to say, I can kind of see how you see that now. Yeah. And it's the same thing in bodybuilding, right? The judges have the best seat in the house for a reason. The reason why they have the best seat in the house is they need to make the decision on who's the best that day. It's not the guy behind the scenes. It's not the guy on the side of the stage. It's seeing directly there. So I think point of view is very important. And I think that gives you perspective to be able to have a level of understanding that most people will not choose to go to. And I think once we do that, that's going to make the difference in us being able to move forward and move through it. Yeah. Yeah. And we just need to, you know, we need to stand our ground when we're, we know we're trying to help people and the, the evil comes out just because of the people's confusion, because that's what it is. It comes down to confused people. Um, we need to stand our ground and step up and, and let people know that we're obviously what, we're, what are, where our hearts are. And number two, that we're not backing down from evil. Like it's, it's not like that, by the way, that girl, again, she, she it's her reality. She's passionate. I feel for her. I know where she's, you know, been indoctrinated somewhere with this, the fact that there's a problem and there are evil people. But at the end of the day, her point of view and what she was saying is not leading towards any survival of any human race, you know? And that's, that's what we have to look at. That's how we have to kind of like judge it. So look, I could talk to you all day, man. Where's the best place for my audience to engage with you and, and, and see more of you? Yeah, you I mean, know, not Instagram. not literally, <laughs> or literally since you're a bodybuilder. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go have a coffee if you need to, if you guys are ever in Houston, Texas. But uh, Matt Storm Official is the IG that I typically uh, do most of my personal messages and DMs on. Also have a Storm Classic show, which is specifically show related to the athletes, competitors, anybody who spectates wants to come watch or get involved in that. But, you know, frankly, IG is the best. Facebook, Matthew Storm, it's pretty easy to find. You know, but I just appreciate the convo because a lot of times we don't get the chance to talk about this individually. We talk about it in front of a group of public and we don't get to say what we feel. Or we don't get to say what we think because it's an incomplete thought because somebody else interrupts. And I think yeah, the banner yeah. between you and I, you've made my eyes open to a lot of things that maybe wasn't before this. I think we're going to continue these conversations and really get through. Awesome, man. Yeah, right back at you. I appreciate you coming on today and I uh, can't wait to get this out to the audience. Uh, we'll bring you on again in the future. But if you ever need anything, all you got to do is reach out to C-Rock. I'm a, I'm a helper, man. And uh, love to support anything that you're doing, Storm. Yes, sir. Well, dude, I all appreciate right. you. It's been a truly honorable privilege to be able to be here with you. And I can't wait till the next one. 
Thanks, brother. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy. Some of you might have been watching this on YouTube, but you know, look, you need to subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, whatever the hell you were listening to this on. But look, keep supporting, keep coming back. Let me know what you think of this. Let me know what you want because I want to support you and keep giving them the uh, content that you're looking for. And uh, go check out Blueprinted, by the way. It's getting ready to be the, like, the whole thing launched. Half of it's launched. Blueprinted.com, B-L-O-O, printed.com. Go check it out. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.